No Directions PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash no direction. We don't need anyone to send help. <laughs> <laughs> there are no secret messages hidden in our conversation. Because really, if we needed help, we just <laughs> go to send coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. It's 2.30. Okay, great. <laughs> Excellent. It's 2.30. We're going to go ahead and get started. All right. um, this session is called Little Changes, Big Impact. And uh, this is sort of what we think of as like the Diversity 101 panel. So um, it's a panel in which we are going to try and address some of the um, really broad, basic fundamentals of diversity in RPGs and gaming in our communities. Um, but first, it seems like it would be a good idea to start with some introductions. Uh, my name is Liz, and I will be moderating-ish this panel. Uh, today, I'm a senior editor at Paizo, and I um, present as female, I identify as non-binary, um, I, and I have a lot of um, vested interest in... Are you going to come check our recording thing again? Yep. <laughs> Did somebody already do that? Yeah, three times. Oh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Ryan. <laughs> Bye, so, Ryan. so well checked. Um, I have, a, I have a lot of interest um, and have, have been interested for several years in um, making sure that the games that we're publishing and the stories that we're telling are um, not inadvertently causing harm to groups of people. And we are making games as inclusive and supportive as we can um, because everybody should be able to have fun in our games. And so that involves us. Uh, so we have to take some responsibility to make sure that that's possible. I'm going to let our other panelists introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I'm Luis Loza. I'm a developer for Pathfinder. Uh, I say I'm a cis man who has, uh, I don't know if I say I'm Mexican, I'm Mexican, hey. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I also <laughs> think this is great, so well, we should finish the introductions and then dive into it. Yeah, yeah. All okay. right, I'm Lacey Palazar, I'm one of the editors, um, present as female, I guess, but <laughs> consider myself non-binary, mask-leaning somehow. Um, Basically, that's it. Uh, I guess I'm Blasian, if anyone. <laughs> Black and Filipino. Super cool. Uh, I'm a cis white guy. <laughs> <laughs> this diversity panel, which should be a huge red flag. So, <laughs> um, so uh, do you want to give your name? Oh, good point. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Joe, Joe Cassini. I'm a Starfighter developer. Um, and, and Joe is here, um, actually, because we um, one of the things that we want to sort of do, one of the things we try to do um, is is not put it only on the people who represent pers um, particular identities or um, particular intersections in our culture to be the only people who are looking out for those. Um, it's, it's a team effort, um, and the reality of it is that the majority of gamers, if I can say, are probably white men, cis white men, or at least that they are a very large percentage of the gaming community. I know, I'm getting shocked faces here. <laughs> um, but the... Um, and so and so we... Um, Joe is here as an ally who... Um, to, to the efforts that we're doing, but he also, like, we all have, we're all taking a part in doing this, and so um, he is 
Um, do you want to speak? I don't want to like talk for you. <laughs> yeah, we've already talked too much about me. At the start of the um, I agree. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, that, so, so that's 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 why Joe is joining us. But um, Joe has been adamant through this process that he not be the moderator and not be um, driving this conversation. That he's here to to support and 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 uh, and, and support. Anyway, so now that I've made that awkward. Um, so a thing that we want to say first um, is that we've mentioned some of the identities that we represent, um, but we um, don't speak for everyone in our communities. We don't speak for everybody who shares those identities. Um, this stuff is nuanced. It's complicated. Um, what works for us, the things we talk about in this panel, may not work for you. Um, you may have different identities that you're working with. You may have different needs in your gaming groups. Um, so we sort of think of these as sort of like suggestions and things that have worked for us. They're not like rules. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, we're going to go through a couple of different um, aspects of ways that you can, um, a couple of different angles on this topic. So we're going to talk a little bit as people who, who write and create games. We're going to talk a little bit as people who are not necessarily creating the word part of games, but sort of involved in that game creation process. Um, we'll talk about um, things that you can do at tables as game as GMs and players. Um, so sort of hopefully giving something that anyone can use in no matter what their role in this is. Um, so writers is a, is a place where we tend to start. So how can we as writers uh, incorporate and encourage diversity in what we're doing? Just throw it in there, you know? <laughs> like if you're writing, just making sure that you are covering a lot of bases for identities and doing the research that's involved with that as well, not just kind of like making shit up and possibly offending a certain kind of identity. Um, that's the, a basic thing to do, <laughs> just throw that shit in there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I think uh, it's really important to take some time, once you've done whatever writing you're going to do, if it's for freelance, if it's for your personal game or whatever, take some time to look over it and just see where the gaps are. Mm -hmm. If you've written an adventure or have an adventure ready for your group and realize Oh hey, literally every NPC they meet up with is a man. That's, that's probably you know there's obviously work that can go to correct that. Uh, we try to do that kind of thing with our artwork orders and, mm. and making sure our NPCs you know, have that gender parity. Um, so you know just taking the time to to do that mental checklist of okay, what do I have here? And then you know, throw it in the spreadsheet or however you need to yeah. to help that. Yeah. See. Um, where, where there's gaps uh, that, that you can definitely fill out, mm -hmm. be it you know, gender or race or whatever case may be. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, and, and some of it could be kind of subtle. Um, so I use um, the really sophisticated method of a post-it note. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Um, as I'm going through a manuscript and um, I track um, not just gender of um, NPCs, but also are they named or not? Are they, do they have any role beyond being a name on a stat block? Um, you know, do they speak? Do they actually influence the story at all? Um, and are they dead or alive? Um, and 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 doing that kind of breakdown, you you can learn some really interesting things. Like, hey, you may have gender parity here, but all of the people with the controlling influence on the story are men, and the women's names are only on stat blocks. Um, or you may have, and sometimes it gets real subtle. Like, you have equal number of people, and they have equal number, equal lines of dialogue, as it were. And yet, every woman is in a position that reports to a man. Um, so I do. I do a lot of work with, with gender in particular. But, yeah. Um, you know. So 
the, you know, it's, it can go beyond numbers. It can go into into roles. Uh, or like, hey, we have equal numbers, but like three of the women are dead. <laughs> or, or even something like, who are the heroes and who are the villains in the story? Yep. Right, right. Yep. Are yeah. all of your women villains? Are all of your women monstrous? Yeah. There's also... Um... Hello. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry, that was awkward. We all took a thought of silence and looked at you. <laughs> There's also the fact that sometimes men will be... Um, Referred to as like their title or like Mr. Blah, and the then Lord, the women are Lord like, Hey, what's up, Jessica? Like, what's up, little person? Like, you know, they're all kind of talked down to more so than the men are, even if like they're all the same rank, perhaps like King Stephen and then his wife, like, you Iliosa. know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, um, you know, a lot of a lot of really subtle stuff like that. Anyway, and, mm-hmm. and then you can take some of the same principles and apply them, I think, to um, other facets of diversity. You know, right. are you are you representing are all the only bi characters in your story villains? Because um, apparently that's been coming up a lot. And I, yeah. haven't, I haven't seen it. That's one I've been invisible towards. Um, is uh, do you do are all of your um, dark skinned characters um, you know all naturalists? Right. And all the civilized, civil, sorry, civilized is not a great word, but like all of your people who live in the big metropolis, are they all, you know, lighter skinned people? You know? Right, so, right. Um, it, can, it can be really subtle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, why don't we talk, uh, Joe, do you want to throw anything in there? Um, asking for help, sensitivity reading can be a thing, yeah. but be careful not to tax people who are already taxed by <laughs> living in life. Uh, <laughs> So offer your friends a coffee or something. Or <laughs> yeah, compensate them in yeah. some way, not yeah. like exposure books, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 really true. And and sort of to build on that, I think we all have um, identities that we can speak to and have lived. And then like like I'm not really comfortable reading for sensitivity on issues of race. I know it's a blind spot I have, and so it's like I, I I'm willing to say that's not for me. I need some I need someone to, who has better eyes for this mm-hmm. to to help with that. Right, right. Um, so you know, get help or team. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about like maybe some. Um, I have a kind of funny note here, but sort of like on a on a broader production beyond just the words on the page. Um, and Luis, you talked a little bit about this, but um, art orders, mm-hmm. uh, but sort of like on a larger product and production sense. Um, what are what what are some things that we can we can do to broaden? Uh, we can broaden our author pool. Mm-hmm. I mean, having just more diverse authors writing for stuff it usually seems to bring more diversity points to to our writing stuff, so, you know, looking out. And, and a lot of the time, I feel it, you have to actively go out of your way to seek people like that out because mm-hmm. um, just for, you know, whatever the circumstances are, it just it seems like it's more difficult for more diverse people to get, a, get that first start. Mm-hmm. So we have to actively let, let give people those chances to, to do that. Right, right. I've seen a lot of imposter syndrome, and like my first Gen Con, when I had become a developer and had a business card to hand people, like, oh, you want to maybe write? I think only the men that I talked to there ended up emailing me, um, whereas I, everyone I met there was equally capable of right, right. trying a freelance assignment. Yeah. So it's a matter of you know like boosting people's confidence too, and like giving them the feeling that they can do it. Like a lot of uh, minority and marginalized. Uh, contributors have, like Joe said, a lot more imposter syndrome because it's harder for us to get our foot in the door. So just being like, 
hey, you're great. Or like going on Twitter and be like, this person's stuff is cool. And like stuff like that is enough to boost someone's confidence and hopefully make them feel like they can do it because they can. Yeah. And, and also I'm going to add to that. Um, a lot of times uh, mar marginalized groups don't see a lot of themselves, ourselves um, in um, as creators, um, we don't right. we don't see ourselves in these roles that we might want to hold, and so we um, sort of get whether consciously or not, sort of get a feeling that we don't belong here, and that's, that's exactly. not something that we're allowed. To exactly. Do. Yep. I definitely get that feeling sometimes. <laughs> Even now, I still get it. I'm like, yeah, we do this. Yeah. Anybody want to throw anything else in there? That's the thing. More diverse games will mean more diverse exactly. uh, contributors. Exactly. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. Um, if you're bringing on diverse uh, contributors, don't just hey, you know, Spokane does have a lot of black people. I guess I'll attack the black. I mean, you can they, they can contribute to anything. I mean, it yeah, just exactly. Have to be like, yeah. Oh, it's specifically only for no. They can contribute to anything, and they they they're just as valuable in any kind of product mm. or any kind of work, uh, regardless of what it is itself. It's the author is more important than what the, that work might be. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, sure. Although maybe a, a counter is if you're if you're doing something. Um, so in the Pathfinder setting, we have um, the Mwangi Expanse, which mm -hmm. is a um, sort of Africa parallel. So that's um, where the Gurundi and the Mwangi ethnicities um, originate. Those are our dark-skinned ethnicities. Um, maybe we shouldn't have like a super white person like me writing about that because it's <laughs> not something I can give a really like good accounting to. Right. And, and ideally we'd have you know people that we feel are, are better suited to that who have already done work beforehand as opposed to this is your first time because this is right. a, a, a book for the long Yeah, not, exactly. Not to bring you on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good point. Yeah. Um, another thing I'm going to throw out here just because I think it's really cool and it's written down on my notes um, <laughs> is that we've... Um, uh, art orders are, are a really interesting thing. And then, like, art in our products is um, it fraught um, and, and a big area where we can really do some really good representation. Um, one of the things that we just introduced that I, I, guess, I guess we're allowed to talk about this um, is, as part of art orders is there's an, we have established a series of skin tone palettes. And when we send out an art order, we say, These, this, is, this is the color of the skin and that this person is make it this color like we're not and, and so that gets us away from using words like brown olive bronze and sort of like mm, words that you can that can really be interpreted in a lot of different ways um and also avoids a term i learned actually from Lacey called brown bagging oh yeah um where where you have black um characters whose skin tone is never really darker than a brown paper bag um where like mm, i mean if we're talking like really like Ebony skinned individuals, like we need that to be represented. So we have this, exactly. we have a box. It's like this shade of brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. Um, yeah, without that tool, there was a lot of room for mis, uh, misinterpretation with our stuff because we work with artists from all around the world that maybe don't necessarily speak English as their first language. So I think that is really yeah. useful and is hopefully going to make some big changes. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, in, in some of the art that we're already seeing has, uh, although I will also throw in there that our artists are in a world where they have been trained to appeal to this this dominant majority, mm -hmm. and so they have kind of, we have kind of inadvertently trained a lot of fantasy artists that everyone has to be white and, exactly. and cis and, you know, meet certain body shapes. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, we're sort of uh, digging ourselves out from there. Joe, you look the same thing. 
just that. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big game of telephone sometimes. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of inertia to overcome. Right, right. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have a note here about cons and panels. We're at a, a con, we're at a panel. We are. That's Whoa. what Luis was saying about, you know, the contributors not necessarily needing to only speak to what they <laughs> might have the most information on, but like these fine people are in a bunch of different panels that are not about diversity. So <laughs> not we'll just all diversity they're... panels. It's not true for me. I'm only yeah. on diversity panels. <laughs> <laughs> these fine people like, I'm are... running <laughs> Um, I think I mostly was on a lot of diversity panels last year, but I want... I'm not saying we're doing it right I'm now. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. I wanted to be on those panels. Yeah, like, I threw myself that, on that, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, like, if you're going to con and the only places they have diversity are on the diversity panels... And not on any of the other ones. That's, yeah, that's something we need to work on. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's the thing we need to work on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, let's, uh, you want to talk about GMing and, and being a player at a table? I can talk about being a player. I can yeah, talk about GMing. <laughs> I mean, I can't, but I don't want to. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. To bring in diverse players is maybe not necessarily an option for everybody, depending on, you know, where you live, the demographic of where you live, you might live in a place that's just like mostly white people. Um, it's possible though, like you can find people who like maybe aren't straight or something or like are women because <laughs> those, those exist. Um, non-binary people, like it's it's always possible to diversify your table um, and it's something that you should do because a lot of us want to play games and are kind of intimidated because like we've said a lot of times, the this industry and this community is mostly straight, cis, white men Very so <laughs> yeah it's extremely or intimidating been outright told we're not allowed to i've luckily not been told that i would have gotten That's in awesome. a fight a fist fight with someone <laughs> uh but yeah it's it's a thing that happens so oh uh thoughts on, on uh, supporting or improving diversity at the, at the game table yeah i mean um if you happen to have a non-diverse group I mean, there, there's still things that you can do to at least encourage and foster a uh, more diverse mindset. Uh, your, hey, uh, what's the what's the city watch captain's name? Oh, her name is blah blah blah. Like yeah. it's very easy to just follow the notes. Oh, it's another white guy. Right, you know, right. Make your game setting diverse. The, the stuff that you present to your players diverse will help. Ideally, help them, uh, <laughs> you know, to think about that kind of stuff more often and, yeah. and, and encourage that kind of thinking moving forward. Uh, yeah, for all you know, you know, they'll move away and then they'll have that in mind and get together a diverse group right. and then you help foster yeah. that. Hopefully normalizing it in mm-hmm. our settings, like even if we can't control who we hang out with or who we're, we're surrounded with, we can always control our settings. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Gatekeeping is garbage. Gatekeeping <laughs> is garbage. And there's a lot of subtle ways to do it. I, I'm starting to think that a lot of people kind of say how long they've been playing role-playing games, and that's pretty innocuous, but I, I almost think it might be a kind of subtle... I think, I like, think maybe that's right. I've been playing it's like, for like 10 years. Oh, you've like, been playing oh, for 25 years, and then if you something? just started last year, you're going to be like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah I, that's mean, true, yeah, you yeah. Play, you start playing today and, and be I, just as good at it as anyone. I've never considered that before, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good and, point. And I feel like there's sort of this um, like geek nerd culture has a has a sort of um, 
one-upsmanship mm. kind of inherent, maybe because we're sort of, like, it, like the geek subculture is kind of marginalized outside of mainstream culture, has been historically, so, like, there's sort of this reverse pride that, like, no, I've, I've you know, I've, I've been part of this community for a really long time, and so, like, oh, hey, maybe I'm going to hit on something useful here, like, let's take that process that we may be a little bit familiar with, and sort of see what we can learn from that when we're looking at other marginalized groups in this context and maybe use some of our own experiences to make it easier for other people to get in. Right, right. Yeah, good point. I think uh, another important thing as a GM is to recognize um, what is important to your players. It could be that you might have neurodivergent players who may not appreciate some of the stuff that's going Ooh. on in the game. Luis just used a big word. Would you like to um, give a quick definition of neurodivergent? Uh, I, I don't think I have as good of a definition in my head as other people might. Um, neurodivergent is just like the non-typical, uh, someone dealing with mental health issues or problems and stuff like that, um, whatever they may be, to whatever degree they might be. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I won't say any words that might be yeah, not, not no, nice. that's all good. That's all good. Um, so, you know, if a player has anxiety um, or, or has past traumas that might be coming up in your game or in uh, you know, written material, published material that you're using, um, you want to make sure you speak with your players, hey, this thing might have such and such things, such and such, and such themes coming up, is that going to be a problem for anyone? And, you know, sometimes it's just as easy, oh no, that's fine. Uh, sometimes it could lead to... Uh, mentioned, oh, I actually don't like that, and it's very easy to then tone it down or remove it completely. Mm. Even they... I can give a living example yeah. of that, actually. Um, so I, I'm running a Hell's Rebels campaign right now, and at the very beginning of the campaign, I said, um, where where are my boundaries? Like, what, what things do I need to stay away from as a GM to make this a safe game for you? Uh, I had one player who said he absolutely cannot abide by the by dogs getting hurt, mm. um, and I was like, this would never have occurred to me. But the whole first book involves this. Uh, you, there are a lot of fights against feral dogs, and I was like, okay, these are now feral reef claw lobster monsters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, super easy swap. Yeah. Um, and that, but then in the same conversation, I have another player whose wife died, and he walked in one morning, and his wife was dead. And so he said, like, I can't deal with descriptions of dead corpses. And I was like, that's fair. I wouldn't have ever thought about that. Um, and, and so that's been something that I just have given a note to myself that, like, I need to manage that in my game. Yeah. Are those conversations you had as a group, individually, both? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I use a um, series. I, we use a lot of Facebook for managing my groups because that's, I guess I'm of the age where I use Facebook a lot. Um, <laughs> and so I put the post in our Facebook group for the game and I said, message me um, mm. with where your boundaries are. So they had a one-on-one -on -one channel. They didn't have to put it out in front of anybody else. Um, and then that let me use that information work. And then I had it written down so I wouldn't forget. Um, but yeah, so I mean, just to sort of put some examples on the, the descriptions that Luis is giving. And, and it's entirely possible that your players don't know just yet that they are not okay with some of the stuff going on. You could start describing something and then they like will realize, oh no, hold on, this is actually terrible, I don't like this at all. Mm -hmm. And so long as you're fostering an environment where it's okay for them to speak up, I think is a very good thing. And it lets you just roll back, oh, oops, I, this room is way too bloody for someone's taste. You know, it's, okay, it's just ranch, ransacked, okay, great, no, no problem. And just move forward and, and use that as an opportunity. It's okay, because you are never going to know, not every player is going to know what, what's going to 
be a, a problem for them. And it's fine if it happens, just know that you should take the time to roll it back, understand what's right, going right. on, and be okay with you know, putting that aside or leaving it behind yeah, entirely. Have that, have that flexibility, which we as GMs have anyway, because like, whenever do the players do what they're supposed to do? So true. Um, we never although, do. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a really good um, tool that exists, and there's actually probably a lot of tools. The one that I am most aware of right now is um, called the X card, um, mm. and mm -hmm. this is a, a thing that you can look up online, and, and I wish I knew the name of the guy who invented it because I would love to give credit for it. So look this guy up and make sure you give credit where credit is due for this idea. But basically it's that um, characters have an X on an index card, um, or each character has one or there's one on the table and anytime someone gets to a point where they're not comfortable with what's going on You can just tap the card or throw your card out and you don't have to explain why um, You don't have to give any any details and it is non-negotiable. It's this is freaking me out walk it back mm. and then and, and then the GM can ask questions like, how far should I walk this back? Mm. Um, but not like, oh, what's freaking you out? Or why does this freak you out? It's just, it's accepted, no questions asked. Let's make sure it can be comfortable at the table. Right, right. It's pretty great. It's used in production meetings. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> I feel oh, like that's actually a really good very idea. Very necessary sometimes. <laughs> um, kind of tangentially related, I think um, in the gaming industry, a better thing that creators can do is to include content warnings on things. It's relatively new. Like we've started doing it, like starting like signal screens yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you book, yeah, book space. <laughs> right, right. Um, that was basically it. <laughs> a, few, a few other ones previous to that. Right, right. Yeah. 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 There's always just room to. Accommodate people. people. And actually, yeah. we have started doing some internal, I'm going to open, open our curtain a little bit, we've done some internal um, content warnings. So we just did the Signal of Screams Adventure Path, and um, it's, a, it's a space horror series of APs, and there are only three volumes, thankfully. Um, I am so not a horror person, which is funny because I love Nidal, but um, <laughs> a, a couple things came over in that AP that, that I, I didn't realize were going to bother me until I saw them. And I was like, whoop, nope, can't do it. And so we actually worked as the editorial team to say, First of all, let's get somebody else on that. Uh, and and here, are, here, are, here are the things that, that in general, are going to make me uncomfortable that I shouldn't be handling. But then also our developer on, on the on the um, developer side was got really good about being, okay, I'm sending over this adventure, and here are the kinds of themes that are in it, so let's get it to an editor who's going to be able to, right. to, to handle that comfortably. Yeah, I think we even started documenting that, like, um, content warnings on our, like, internal, you know, pagination and stuff like that, which is really useful. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, especially when we're handling a really squicky set of scenarios like that. But for, you know, for anything that comes down the pipe, it gives us a tool to help ourselves and then also to help people who are consuming that product. Right, right. Um, yeah, if, um, we would we are, hang on. <laughs> um, I want to talk about, yeah, keep going. Let's, no, let's no, keep going. We have, we have a couple more points. Um, does anybody have anything else I want to talk about at for at the table? We will do a general Q and A. We'll open it up and, and I have seen advice to GMs about like breaking shy players out of their shell or whatever, and I feel like that's not a good leave them alone. Move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave them people, alone. People just want to be at the table. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and hang out with their friends and yeah, and they don't is. need to contribute yeah. in the way that you think they need to contribute. <laughs> like, just let them, which is different from if a player feels like they're being overshadowed. Yeah, way different. Yeah, if, exactly. If they have mentioned that oh, you know, it looks like they were going to speak up or get spoken mm -hmm. over and stuff. Then you can, you know, do the time where the NPC says, "Oh, what does your character yes. think about the situation?" Yeah, but exactly. By default, I think it's safer to just let players be and play how they want to play. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, for sure. But you know, to to build on that, like 
men tend to overtalk women. Um, I am sure that that dynamic happens in other intersections, mm-hmm. and and so be sensitive to that happening at your table. Right, right. And like a lot of women may just sit and not even try because we're so used to being overtalked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, it's this is all heckin' complicated. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you can do if you're like me is. Just repeat, say, like, hey, they just said that. Mm. Like, yeah, it's a good tool. <laughs> when somebody else comes up with the same plan, the it's same like, plan. Yeah, that, that they just said that. <laughs> I just it's, came it's okay up to with say this. that. It's like, or, or if nobody heard it, be like, oh, yeah. I they had a good idea. Yeah. And just use right. your louder voice or whatever to, mm-hmm. yeah. to get the attention on the correct person. Right, right. <laughs> yep. Um, a thing I have run into some, I do a lot of GMing at cons for organized play. Um, which I which I love doing, but um, I'm not actually a super experienced organized play GM, so I often end up running games for GM for players who know more than yeah. I do, um, and and that's an interesting power dynamic because in theory I'm in charge of the table, but then I have to ask my players for help, and sometimes that can set up a dynamic where they feel, especially since they are usually men, and I am not, I present as female, and they perceive me as female, um, they're. Um, is a potential for them to overpower what I'm doing. Mm. Um, and so actually one of the things I do, anybody who's played a game with me, I stand up when I GM. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it helps me as someone who's perceived as female. I am then, you know, taller and larger and, and more dominating over the table than, than my players. I also don't usually use a GM screen for the same reason. Right, right. Um, as just things that I've found help me kind of maintain that control over the table in a situation where otherwise, like, I can get a little out of my league. Mm. Yeah. So there's a, there's a there's every once in a while you just gotta slam your hand on the table and just hey! surprise them. <laughs> I'm in charge here. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I mean, unless you need it for dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> also done. <laughs> um, what did I have? Another really other interesting thing. Oh, let's talk about <laughs> this is our favorite part. What? Do we, um, this is this is complicated and hard, and we are all gonna fuck it up. So let's talk. There's no direction people are gonna fire me. <laughs> All ages, Liz. All ages. Um, uh, Let's talk a little bit about what screwing up. Okay. I do that all the time. Yeah. Just in life in general. It's great. It's great. It is inevitable. Yes. Like, there's no way you would know everyone's reaction to everything that you do or say. Um, It's impossible to know. Even if it's someone from another group that you're accustomed to interacting with, every individual has their own how far things can be taken, things like that. Um, the best thing to do is first apologize, mm. second uh, listen, because if the person is telling you what, what, what the situation is, just listen, and then see if it's okay to ask to you know get more informed if, if you like. But there is no obligation to absolutely inform you in that situation. But at least do your best to learn from from what's going on and, and see what you inform yourself. If you can, if it's uh, someone has such and such condition, maybe learning more about it mm. on your own time without demanding that person to tell you. Right. <laughs> Here, here's, here's what, well, I, I didn't know you were such and such, so why don't you tell me? No, that's that's not what you want to do. Uh, just apologize, take some time to learn, take some time to listen. That's the best way to figure out how to be a good ally to a person, or mm. to accommodate a person at your table or whatever the situation may be. Right, right. Um... I mean, as a as an editor on our products, um, we all are going to fuck up. We're all going to skip over things on accident. But that's the good part about being on a pretty diverse team is, like, we all kind of have our own little thing that we can see very well. Um, so working together, we generally can educate each other and 
you know, catch each other's mistakes. It happens, whatever. Like, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do our best. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add two things onto Luis. Um, had a really good, like, step-by-step, -step, um, and I'm going to throw two steps on it. One of them is, is move on. Um, let's say you misgender a, a player at your table, um, and then, and, and, like, they call you on it. And so it is, um, especially cis people, uh, it can be really um, flustering. We don't like misgendering people really any more than like people like being misgendered. And um, it's really tempting to make a big deal out of it and don't. Um, you know, if you, if you screw it up, like absolutely acknowledge it and apologize and mm -hmm. then move on. Um, and stop misgendering yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and, then, and then it's definitely on you to then go, you know, learn more about that if you need to um, and, and do your homework and, and follow up on it as you need to. Um, but at that moment, uh, you know, the, the person who's just been misgendered doesn't really, like, I promise you, does not want to make a big deal out of it. Right. Um, and, you know, whatever other faux pas that we um, inevitably inevitably do because I live with my foot in my mouth. Um, <laughs> but then actually, that's that's the next step that I actually want to encourage us to do is forgive ourselves because hmm. we're going to fuck it up. Sorry, no direction, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we, see, <laughs> our um, the we're, we we are fallible. We're human. We're all learning, mm -hmm. um, and it is so easy, especially if you are. I'm going to maybe speak a little bit on Joe's behalf here. If you're from a dominant um, identity group, um, to to get really bogged down in the mistakes we make, mm -hmm. um, and and that can be really paralyzing, and it can actually cause more problems because then um, you do things like you isolate yourself in a bubble because you don't want to risk making more mistakes. Um, or you um, then get like really weird when interacting with people from a certain identity group because you have built up this whole mental baggage to yourself because you of that one mistake you made ten years ago. Um, you know, so so be willing to to at least forgive yourself. Mm. Um, note that this is different from asking the person involved to forgive you. That's on them, and they aren't they don't owe you anything. But you need to be willing to. Let yourself learn and grow from that experience. Right, right. I think uh, one more important thing is back at the beginning of the whole situation mm -hmm. is to never be upset at the other person oh. who's calling you out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's very easy to go immediately on the defensive uh, on that and just drop that notion immediately as that comes to you. It's, it's, mm -hmm. They're not doing you to, doing that to like, Obviously upset you. It's just like, hey, I, I didn't like that. It was okay. Yeah. Which isn't to say that it's not going to be upsetting. Like, it, it's, it, it can be hard. Yeah. Um, it's a tough situation. Don't take the easy out of focusing on some part of their objection that isn't maybe not be true. Like some misunderstanding they have about it's like, oh, you printed this thing, <laughs> therefore everyone at Paizo is, is a monster. <laughs> and it's like, wait, but I work with really caring people, and so that, that's not the issue. That's the issue is the, what got printed. Yeah, yeah. right, right. And like, yeah. figure out how yeah, to fix that. Yeah, we Some screwed of my that best up. friends are moved. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. That. But I work with Louise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm infallible. Uh, yeah. And also say, if you are lucky enough to have people that will call you out, <laughs> I mean, that's like... That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and they're yeah. taking their time and dealing with you. They don't have to bother with it. <laughs> yeah. like they are making them really vulnerable. And yeah, exactly. Totally right, right. So yeah. Appreciate that. and respect it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a thing and Melissa, I might need you to help me explain this. Okay. Um, in terms of researching things, um, I think it's best like say that you have a term that you're not sure if it's a slur. 
it's best to research that and look up that word, um, its meaning, on a relevant website versus, like, the dictionary. Like, gay. Let's take the word gay. I looked it up in the dictionary. It means happy. That's not a slur. Like, don't <laughs> don't take the dictionary, the sterile-ass dictionary's word for it. Go on to, like, an LGBT community website and see, like, what do these people... How do these people feel about this? Um, a particular example um, that might... It's the word hermaphroditic, which we do not use for people because that is offensive to the intersex community. And, like, you would not know that looking that word up in the dictionary because it just is, like, the scientific definition of the word hermaphroditic. But if you go on the, like, intersex community website they're like don't freaking call us that like we're people we're not like a frog you know <laughs> so that I think is an important tool to use or like a thing to keep in mind when researching certain identities or whatever to look at communities rather than dictionaries like that's basically the gist yeah, of it yeah I think that's a great one um, yeah. I, I also find this is going to sound terrible so hear me out I find urban dictionary really helpful <laughs> so good <laughs> because wow if someone's going to use it as a slur it's going to show up it's that way it's going to be on, on there dictionary. absolutely um, what urban dictionary will not tell you are actually I wouldn't actually suspect urban dictionary would do us any good with hermaphroditic because it um, it doesn't get into nuance at all but wow if you're not sure if something is used as a slur it's, it's a you will tool. see that and be careful because <laughs> there will be some fucked up shit on there I'm sorry no direction <laughs> I'm so sorry <laughs> don't tell my boss <laughs> yeah pretty much um, yeah, but that's yeah. I think that's I think that's a really good point. And it kind of speaks to doing research. Um, I have a note here that I was supposed to prepare a handout for this panel. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I'm actually going to encourage us to do. We were talking a little bit before this. Um, we have we have put to, when I was first starting to learn about a lot of this and like realizing like the the doors had opened of like oh my god my privilege. Um, <laughs> have started to started the biggest thing I was struggling with is how do I learn more about this and how do I know like how do where where do I even go um, and so we have been putting together a document of resources for a whole bunch of different um, identities and um, conditions and, and uh, characteristics that um, represent perspectives from within that community um, or that identity so that you can as sort of starting points to start learning more about some of these things um, and uh, Ideally, I was going to hand that out here. I didn't get there, um, but if you follow me on Twitter, I am at Liz May Tweet, um, or you can search for me. I'm Liz. My name is spelled with a Y, um, and I, I look like this. <laughs> so I'm really easy to find. Um, and uh, and ping me on Twitter, and I, I will I will I will start tweeting those resources so that there's a, a resource out there that people can can find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, a newsletter called More Seats at the Table. It's pretty cool. Oh, that sounds good. You can I just didn't sign know about up that. for More Seats at the Table. More yeah. Seats at the Table. And they just highlight Kickstarter games and existing PDFs and awesome. older stuff that is done by people from yeah. uh, often overlooked groups. And you all like games. And <laughs> nice. Nice. This is probably a good spot for questions. I think we're in a good spot for yeah. questions or like conversations. Yeah. Uh, let's start here. And then we'll someone else can go first. You had your hand first. Okay. Uh, so obviously, you know, I think a lot about this in terms of writing and one of the things that kind of can be an issue here especially when it comes to you know this work is I uh, mentioned about identities being nuanced and I've kind of 
struggled to get that across in the constraints of word count. Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Constraints Absolutely. Of sort of, like, when you have 40 words for an NPC's entire sort of identity, right, yeah. right. it's hard to get across, like, this is a non-binary person who uses she, her pronouns. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's a really, um, that's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating challenge. Um, I would I would have sort of two ideas about this. Okay. Um, my first idea is um, build the NPC to maybe fit the space that you have, and you don't have to put all of your ideas into one NPC. Every NPC does not necessarily have to be presented as this incredibly deep, nuanced, complex individual, especially if you only have 40 words to talk about it. Maybe that's not the time to introduce the, uh, the polygendered, fluid character um, that, that you've always wanted to introduce. Like maybe maybe that should wait till you have a little bit more space to, to expand upon it. Um, and I mean, you can also yeah. use like in the context of let's say an adventure, write up an NPC, and maybe they're write up in the back of the book where they only have their stat block and forty words in the line might not have enough. But in when you present them in the adventure, you can say, hey. Here's such and such name, and then they just use the right, right pronouns. Right. right, it's right then and there. It might not immediately be right there for the GM to, to read or, or the reader to read. But if if we have if we can keep pointing back to that NPC and you know seed that in at where it makes sense, then that's just another way to that's a few extra words that you had in this sentence that was mm. describing the encounter that mentioned oh. She shows up in the world. Right, right. I feel like we've done that um, a few times, like with non-binary characters or like gender-fluid characters that don't necessarily use they/them pronouns. We're just like in the stop block, blah, non-binary envoy, and then in the flavor text, she went to the store, which I'm a great writer. Awesome, um, but yeah, pretty much like just to go on what Louise said, like it's possible to represent their nuanced identities through the flavor text, and just kind of have like. Some stuff in the stat box, some stuff in flavor text, and yeah, yeah. So showing not telling, classic. You know, the male shopkeep says, "My husband's out. What can I get you?" Yeah. Uh, uh, other NPCs talking to them, right, right, or talking about them. About exactly. Them. Yeah. yeah. Those can be short. Or, um, I think one more important thing is to tell whoever you're submitting this writing to what you're trying to do with that character. Uh, yep. For all you know, 40, we, we asked for this word count and we have 40 words to write, but when it comes to actually putting it on the page, turns out we have a whole other half column to work with. Mm. Oh, we, we can expand on this, and because we know in advance what you're going for, that character, then we can work on work that in as best yeah. as we can. Or even further products down the line, you know, if you had a character that, like, okay, this is seated here, but, like, here's kind of what's going on, that gives a developer a tool where, you know, gotcha, three yeah. books later they can say, hey, let's point back to that, that was a good idea, let's let's develop it more now that right, we have right. more space. Yeah, use the comments on Word if you're submitting stuff to us, <laughs> and just give us all the information. It's very I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I am a professional sign language interpreter. Oh yeah, awesome. awesome. I call by email first Paizo to ask if they have any of their events either captioned or interpreted. Here at PaizoCon. Here at PaizoCon. Mm -hmm. And I was informed that they haven't had any in the past. Right, they right. got in contact Why with what? Anna Marie, I think is her name. Oh, Sarah, Sarah Marie. Marie. Sarah yeah, Marie. yeah. And we had gotten in a conversation and she asked for resources. So I was happy to send her all kinds of links and communities and resources for her. But it occurred to me that at least that I've read, I haven't seen a deaf part of period character, and I realize we're in a fantasy world where healing is possible, 
but just as we are in a real world, there will be people who decline it. Exactly. Oh, I love that you're saying it. Can I talk about this? But I have one part to add after. Yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, and then and I will contain my excitement. Um, let's continue. <laughs> so my question is, since there are actually two different languages, English and American Sign Language are not the same grammatical structure, mm -hmm. and they have different metaphorical methods. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be just to say, oh, this is a written book, why don't we just give them written books? There actually needs to be interpretation, there needs to be a changing of the language itself. Exactly. Does Paizo have any plans that you will know of to include captioning or interpreting? Wow, that is a very different question than I was getting excited about. <laughs> um, so, unrelated, we actually do have, we have a venture captain in the Pathfinder Society organized play um, setting who's becoming much more prominent, who is deaf, who has declined restorative magic um, because he perceives that as, uh, he, he, that is part of his identity and who he is, and he doesn't see it as something that needs to be fixed. Um, and... Uh, has, um, every time he comes up in a scenario, has um, language to the GM on how do you present this in a way that's respectful and when your characters inevitably ask really insensitive questions. Um, so that was what I was excited about because we are starting to sort of, again, bring in more more perspectives yeah, and, and have representation in our games. Now to your actual question, um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think um, Sarah I like Marie the, would be... My gut check says probably not. We don't know yet. Nothing is. I think we, we definitely absolutely need to. Yeah, we I need think it. That's, that's an opportunity, yeah. especially as we have things like our more Twitch streaming that exactly. can be captioned. Yeah, um, would probably be an easier entry point for us. Right, right. If Paizo has the opportunity, seeing as how rapid it's growing and how large its community is growing, if I can just put two cents in of hiring deaf absolutely. people, even yeah. if only to work with computer graphics, for mm -hmm. example, yeah. or technology, mm -hmm. is a really easy fit for them, and it encourages them to come participate in the community. Absolutely. For yeah, sure. For sure, for sure. Agree. Um, that, I think that's on our, on our radar. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, um, it's, a, it's a, I don't, don't want to say blind spot, that's not kind of insensitive way to put yeah. that, but an opportunity where we have a lot of growth yet to do. Right, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, I have talked to uh, our person who just left the company who was doing our Twitch stream <laughs> uh, and there were technical challenges, but you know, it's not an excuse, <laughs> but we, we have looked into it a little bit, and I also wrote for Starfinder, a, a species that is born blind or deaf, and they, they, they declined, most declined, restored technology and magic. Because the culture is important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to add something to that really quick, the venture captain uh, was mentioned. If you look up the Jarl's Blood Witch Saga, I know you can find him in there if you'd like to see him for yourself. Mm -hmm. Kate, you had a hand up. Hey, um, this is more of an app to question. Yeah, um, great. <laughs> a lot of the games that we are here playing are very map intensive, and a lot of oh, yep. having to be mapped on the spot. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have. Anxieties or learning disabilities with map. Um, so, is there advice for GMs on how do you help make that part of the game more accessible and more comfortable for people at your table? Um, to that, I because I can't do math on like I can't do it in my head. Basically, like I need a calculator in front of me or. I get my good friend Joe to do the math for me. <laughs> I roll and I'm just like, "What's the result? This is what it is on the die." Like, just let them know that you have um, issues with that, and then just work something out with your GM, which is basically what I do. Like, I'll roll out and be like, it's a 19 on the die. My mod is blah. Like, you can do the math for me. Thank you. <laughs> the important thing is that at least he's asking me, not me being like, oh, I'll do it yeah. for you. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I'm usually happy to do that, but then I'm not sure if that's making things 
more anxiety inducing for that person. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, you just you gotta do that. I'm gonna have to do it for you. Exactly. So I'm not sure what the best way to approach. Yeah, um, I use a, a um, uh, app. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's this thing called? <laughs> uh, I have an app on my phone that's a, a dice roller app, and I yeah. can plug dice formulas into it, so I can be like, oh, this is four d six plus twelve. Four d six plus twelve. Go, um, and it and it'll give me a result. And so I, I have a, a player at my table who struggles with math. Um, on the fly and is, you know, rolling fistfuls of dice because spellcaster. Um, and so I, you know, I, encouraging things like that. Most of us have cell phones um, that can that can support us and things like that. I don't know if organized play, I like, I imagine organized play would let you use dice on your phone. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, so there, there are absolutely, I, you know, if it were a regular player, I would encourage them uh, to look into, help them look into some of these tools to um, see if that can be something that, you know, to get the difficulties out of the way, right, right. Um, so that that's not something that's between them and having fun. Yeah, just get a good old-fashioned calculator. Yep. So just offering rather than doing it right, and then uh, normalizing it. Normalizing it. A, a lot of people can't do this. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Aren't comfortable yeah. with it, so don't worry about it. And then sorry, was the third thing I forgot? Yeah. Uh, I mean, accommodating if, if it's in a home game, it theoretically has as much time as. Need to exactly. Someone, uh, what, what, what they need, um, but it's kind of tough in like an organized play setting where you literally have a block of time. Yeah, four hours. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, um, if someone mentions it, just help out the best you can. Yeah. It's, it's it's hard. It's one of those things. It's an unseen thing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I organized play, it might be something that's worth. If there's some time after the session, I might talk to that player and and say like, "Hey, it looked like this was." something that was causing you distress, you know, um, can, you know, are you interested in looking into some ways to make this easier? Do you want to talk about it? And like, sometimes people got a jet, sometimes people don't want to talk about it. Like, you know, um, but. Maybe we can actually talk with our, our play team and see if we can take an official stance. And yeah, dice yeah. Rolling absolutely. Out yeah. So yep. That yeah. way we can put it out up front. It's like, yeah. this is a thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The third thing was just shutting down people who are being impatient. Oh, and, yes. and, oh yeah. And trying to add up dice for other people. Just, Ask them to stop. Yeah. Whatever light way you like. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned organized play getting sort of an official ruling on that. I think it would be really helpful because there definitely are some GMs that are like, no, I'll see you. Nice yep. Yeah. yeah. I trust you doing it on your tablet or whatever. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But like most of the dice rolling apps, like you can put it on the table and people can exactly. see it. Exactly. It, it's yeah. easy, as easy to see as the you know 20 millimeter dice that we use which hey like if we have vision impairments that's another challenge exactly um so that level of flexibility but yeah i i hear that getting getting the official like no this is okay would really mm -hmm. um, yeah, be I, sure. I think kind of empowering yeah um, yeah you got a hand up there yeah um with, with something like uh, like and how does how how can like as a, a cis person myself like how can I avoid trapping other people that term when when I'm GMing? Yeah. Um, um, when GMing, um, do you mean like at your like inviting people to your table, or do you mean like in your setting? In, more like in the setting. In the so, setting. So I introduce an NPC. And, and gotcha. I want to introduce them to someone who is non-binary or, or right, right. A myriad of different uh, personality traits. How can I do so without making it seems like I'm, like I'm trying to force the issue, I guess? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, for 
I think it's not possible to force it. Like people are going to feel that way because we're stuck in our ways, you know. Sure. The best way I would say to do it is just do it a lot. Like have a lot of different kinds of people and maybe just stray away from stereotypes of things because that just kind of makes it seem like oh, it's the token gay person, like he's right. flamboyant. flamboyant. Oh, and, yeah. Like basically just have a lot of different kinds of identities and then it's not tokenism because everybody's <laughs> everybody's wild everyone's going crazy it's great and the, the one thing to be careful about with strict trying to keep away from stereotypes is like doing the opposite of a stereotype which is and then somehow making stereotype. it worse yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> right right well, i guess in response to like so if, if you want to introduce a character and not have them line stereotypes to to show them as, as what you wish to how you want to express them what is like a good way? I will, to... Can I give you an example? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a, a really common thing that happens where we say, "Oh, we want to have a woman in this game, but we want to show that she is um, tough, and cool. tough and cool." And so we describe them as no nonsense and give a lot of these implications that they are not like all of those other women. And what we're doing is reinforcing that normal women are not capable of these things because you have to be no nonsense and you know tough and steeled to be able to be competent. And so that, by flying in the face of that stereotype, only reinforces the stereotype right. because you're sort of doing the, the polar opposite. So why not have someone with bright pink hair and dangly earrings and Lacey's fantastic fingernails <laughs> who is super freaking competent because there's nothing that says they can't be. Yeah, that's a good point. We got like one, one more, more question? question? Speed question? Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll throw one more up. Sure. As, sure. as a company, then, like, how did, like, I, I've seen, I've been on forums and misreports, I've seen the devastation that has left in the wake of people with accusations of this. How, how do you feel, like, as a company, how do you feel you've responded to that kind of, those accusations from? Of forcing diversity? Yeah, yeah. Just ignore it and just keep forcing yeah. diversity. If <laughs> <laughs> existing and, and representing ourselves in exactly. products is forcing the issue, then those people can, pardon me, no direction, fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'm a, a non-binary, non-straight, brown person. Like, I exist. I'm sitting here in this chair. I can be in a setting. Like, I don't think it's forced diversity to have a non-binary, non-straight, brown person. <laughs> yeah. <in this>. so. <laughs> Yeah, basically. In an ideal situation, you keep doing that, and that what will happen is the people who don't like that will just stop playing the game. Luis <laughs> <laughs> using more appropriate language. <laughs> <laughs> right, there you go. Um, yeah, I think. Um, Isabel, did, were you going to say something? Because I saw you. Uh, I was thinking about it, but then someone mentioned quick question, and this one might be. Oh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's maybe. Um, we, we'll be. I mean, I'm going to be out in the hallway for. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be lingering. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to encourage everyone to go to our other diversity panels. We are not the only people. Oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of them at this con, uh, and just not even here at the con, just wherever you can. Get, yeah, get, yeah. Get a chance to speak with other people, listen to other people, uh, meet other people, follow weird people, not weird people, follow people <laughs> unlike you on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I do have one quick thought on that. Uh, that's a question. Uh, I. Every time I come to one of these, it's always very diversity 101. Mm. And they're still very informative and useful. But uh, like, I think a good thing to explore uh, would be sort of 
where do we go from here? Oh, yeah, that's why we've got right. diversity, diversity two of one tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, is that what that is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yep, yeah. exactly. And then there's a bunch of other specialized <laughs> panels uh, on, on these topics. So, uh, oh, the time on the panels. Oh, the time. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, diversity 201 is literally just diversity 201. I didn't get renamed. Is it today? No, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, 515. There you go. Yep. Yeah, right here. I know there's one on, um, there's a mental health panel happening. There's one right. on making RPG communities more uh, more supportive. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like there's one more that I have now forgotten because, wow, there are a lot. There are a lot, which is um, awesome. But peruse the program book. They're, they're all in there. Mm -hmm. Take time, learn from people, talk yeah. to people. Be cool. And do your Thank best. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming. coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the No Direction PaizoCon 2019 seminar coverage. We'd like to thank Ryan Hiller of Geek Dad and Justin Sluter of Justin Sluter for the recorders they provided, as well as the KD Con team for their diligent work. To find this and other great convention coverage, visit nodirectionpodcast.com.